Welcome to another episode of Worldly Church Girl. It's your girl, your host, Lillian Harshaw. On today's show, I have a marketing strategist who has helped businesses and personal brands find their way to share their stories. It gives me great honor to introduce to you Christy Bilbrey. I want to give everybody a little bit about your background before we get into the nitty gritty. In high school, that's when your love for marketing began. And funny thing, that was my two majors. It was counting and marketing. Those were like one or two big things. So we have that in common. So um, what made you fall in love with marketing? You know, it was really my family. I grew up in a family where, you know, my dad, his brothers, his dad did sales. And so from an early age, I think... I think he wanted me to get excited about that. So whether it was selling Girl Scout cookies or magazines at school, it was like a fun adventure instead of a chore. And Mm -hmm. um, then in junior high, worked in his office in the summers. And I just thought it was so fun, so energizing. And he really kind of involved me a lot. So I knew I would do something along that path. So was your dad like a huge marketing person or or he just was just a go-getter? He was a go-getter, had his own business, more sales side than marketing per se. But um, I had in high school, we could take marketing as a class and I had a really fun teacher and I said, yeah, it was kind of, I did that to test the waters. Is this really what I want to go into? And I thought, oh, this is too much fun. I definitely want to do it. So, but by the time I started college, I knew that I was going to study marketing. I called myself, I was a nerd in high school because I was into those type of classes and this, that, and other. And plus I was a church kid too. So I think that was like a double head. Did you really get into a lot of school activities in high school or were you just like a bookworm like I was? Um, I mean, I would say I was not as involved from an academic standpoint, it was more the real life side that interested me, um, Mm -hmm. was getting that real world experience. So, so when you got into college, you started taking marketing and political science. So what made you throw that into the mix? Yeah, it was not expected. I, I mean, I knew marketing for sure. And then I had a friend who said, Hey, if you take this political science class with me, it'll count for two different requirements. And I'm like, well, okay. And um, it was the only class I had taken where as long as you could argue for what you believed, you were right. And I'm like, everywhere else I have to learn facts. And in this, as long as I can argue for it, I'm right. I'm like, that's my kind of, that's my kind of class. And so I decided to take another one. And the next one I took was the American president. And it just kind of stutter studies usually what's theory But it happened to be during the 2000 election, which was highly contested. So all these arcane rules, which never come into play, were all over the place. And it was like the first half of every class was debate. And I just got sucked in. And I thought, if I ever want to really understand how this works and how it impacts the business world, I need to be inside. So I started uh, volunteering at my senator's office. I worked in the governor's office in an internship. And then um, after I graduated, I was able to get a job in the press office, in McCain's office, and then at the White House. And so it really gave me that knowledge that I was looking for, that kind of real world education of what you don't just see on TV or read in a history book. Right, right. You saw it firsthand. 
Yeah. So what surprised you the most when you got to witness all this stuff like firsthand? What surprised me the most was that the bulk of DC, the work is really done by people in their early and mid twenties. And I just pictured because who you see on TV are- Yeah, like the fifties and up and stuff. But the ones who do everything for them, who basically are kind of writing everything, researching everything, preparing them for everything, responding to everything are young people. And I was really, really surprised by that because they're willing to work, you know, crazy hours for peanuts right. <laughs> or the resume for the opportunities for the learning experience. And so that was the, definitely the biggest shock to me. Wow. So we've been looking at the older guys and giving them the credit that they're not even due. So which makes it even more important for young people to get more involved. It's better to learn inside than, you know, the way media likes to twist, put their own twist on things. Exactly. Exactly. So there's really, in, in speaking of that, it's like really no truthful media, I would say. It's hard to find. It's hard yeah. to find. It's like you can probably get a piece from this one and a piece from that one and a piece of that one. And you would probably still have a fraction of the truth. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. When you, you know, made your full time goal or career into marketing strategy, you found yourself into a lot of um, bumps in the road, if you will, concerning your business and also being strong in your faith. Mm -hmm. um, can you expound on that a little bit? Yeah, it was interesting because from the time I left politics um, to the time I started my business, I had a career in corporate and, you know, everything it was interesting because I felt like everything came very easily. I got some amazing jobs, probably because I, you know, had the background that I did. Um, and so I just thought, oh, this is, this is what it's like in the working world. This is great. This is easy, um, great experiences. And then I felt like once, so was I at the time before I started my own business, I was living in LA. I was working in a law firm, working on their marketing, and uh, there was a there was a nonprofit that my church was connected to, and I wanted to volunteer with them according to my gifts, you know. So I volunteered in marketing, not just you know volunteering for what they do, but like I want to help you guys get more money and get out there. And I was really I felt like they just needed the executive director had a really strong background as well but it was just a small group. And I, I just was amazed at the gap that I had taken for granted that's in corporate where it's just kind of like, you have all the tools at your disposal. You have um, tons of resources. You learn all these best practices. They're just kind of poured, poured down your throat. And so it's easy to take for granted. But I found out with nonprofits and then most small businesses, they don't have that advantage. And so I think, you know, it was just my experience was going to school and then working, having these opportunities. So I'd assumed that's just what it is and it's not. And mm -hmm. so I, it was incredibly fulfilling to be able to help make small tweaks that can make a huge difference. And so that was when I realized I want to do this full time. Like that's way more satisfying to me than my corporate job. And so I thought, well, okay, so I'm just going to open my door and, you know, the floodgates open, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you <laughs> stop. <laughs> I think it's easy to just think, oh, okay, now I'm going to do my own thing.
And it was not the case. And so then it was kind of like this to really figure this out and networking and marketing and online, uh, you know, learning how to navigate all these things. And it was, I felt like it was so much easier to focus on somebody else, like another product and really promoting that. But when it comes to promoting yourself, I found myself getting really tongue tied and thinking, okay, I don't want a pushy salesperson and right. I don't want to come across as a wallflower. So there's this in between what do people actually want to hear? What do they need to hear? And what, you know, how does this work? And so I just felt like it was really, really uncomfortable. And then in the digital space as well, it's kind of like, what am I supposed to do? It's promotion versus lifestyle versus, you know, all these different pieces that make up how do you communicate with your audience so they know, oh, that's who I've been looking for. That's who she really is. And I've talked to so many people who it's like, well, if they just got to know me, they would know this is who I am. This is what they're getting. But bridging that gap was really difficult. And so mm -hmm. I felt like, okay, instead of just marketing strategy in general, which is what I had started with, um, I'm going to take that. Like one of my jobs was at a management consulting firm where I learned a ton about strategy and fell in love with the strategy side of it. So I wanted to take that but study brand story. So I started taking classes from screenwriters and um, authors and all these people who weren't really concerned with brands, but were just concerned with telling good stories. And I kind of mixed that in with strategy. And then I came up with my own system to really do these in-depth interviews. Because what I found with myself and with others is we're very quick to diminish our stories. We're quick to diminish what we've overcome, um, what we've learned, and we aren't really sure which pieces are going to connect with our audience and which aren't. And we may have some really amazing things tucked away that people never really know that if they did could make an enormous difference and then the way to present them. So that transition to becoming really the focus of what I do is marketing strategy by really harnessing, identifying what that brand story is. So walking people through this deep interview to uncover, because a lot of people think, you know, either I had some really awesome experiences, but I'm not really sure how to tell them without sounding braggy, or what do I have that's really that interesting? How am I supposed to differentiate myself from every other competitor? Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel like at the end of the day, um, it's who you are and the way you approach what you do that sets you apart from everybody else, even if you all you know, have similar backgrounds. People want to be with someone, whether it's a doctor or a marketer or anything who they trust, who they feel like is listening and really taking care of them. And so I feel like if you can tap into that, then you can, you can open yourself up to a lot more people understanding and connecting with you. When did your faith become an issue with people that you were trying to connect with or work with or, or both? Well, so I guess a couple parts. One was two or three years ago where I just kind of got, it, 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 it was funny. It almost felt like every single person who was coming to me somehow was connecting with me. They were coming from kind of a new age background. And first I thought, okay, should I be taking these people as clients because I'm promoting, like, am I promoting the wrong thing? And right, that, right. I don't want to promote the wrong thing. But what I found was while it was uncomfortable, 
a lot of them were very open and we had a lot of good conversations to make them start kind of questioning some of those found because brand story, we really get into your life experiences and the life experiences that have shaped you and have shaped mm -hmm. your beliefs and what you do. And so it ended up being kind of a good ministry experience. But then I've also noticed over the past six months, um, you know, as we mentioned at the beginning, the world has, is a very different place than it was even a couple of years ago. Right. And, um, and so I, things that previously you wouldn't think, how in the world does this have to do with marketing? What does this have to do with marketing a business? And um, people really want to bring their politics into their business. They want to bring beliefs that are definitely not um, what conventional. Would, would, would <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And so there have been times where I've had to tell clients, you know, this, I you know, you are a great person. I really enjoy working with you, but when it comes to this project or, you know, this type of work, I'm not the right person to help you with this because it conflicts with my beliefs. And, mm -hmm. you know, like we talked about, people don't really want to hear that. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> They're like, I'm paying you for a service. I'm like, I understand that, <laughs> but no. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, that has definitely had an impact on the bottom line, but at the end of the day, I feel like that's honoring to God and in whatever form, I feel like that's, that's more important. And I think that I'm, I'm probably only beginning to experience that. And I would imagine for anyone watching or listening that, um, if they haven't already experienced it, maybe you will, maybe you won't, but I think it's important to at least be prepared and to think about, okay, what are kind of my boundaries? I mean, everybody's, what they do might be very different, but what are some boundaries of things that you feel like you need to stand up? And I, I think it, it's actually more of a gray area than a black and white line, because I think there are some opportunities where we're called to serve the lost. And it's not that, oh, well, I know this person, you know, agrees with this, so I'm not going to do that okay, well, is that impacting their business and what you would be doing? Because it could be a really opportunity to be a light in a dark place. Right. Or are they asking you to do something that specifically is against your belief system um, right. and promoting something that is definitely not honoring to God? And so I just think um, it's important to start thinking about those things and not just to think, oh, those are isolated incidences of other people having to deal with them. It's something that's real and it's something that I think you people shouldn't feel alone. Um, they should know that, yes, it's okay and we will get through this one way or another. And it's important to, to know what you're standing up for and to be strengthened and confident in that. Funny thing is listening to you, I was thinking about, there's been several times that people have wanted to be on the show and I will say, well, send me your information. And as, as I would dig into, I'm like, ooh, I, how do I tell this person <laughs> that I, I can't do this because my faith won't allow me. And I think my the name of the show, I think it kind of rocks them. Then they think that the show kind of goes for whatever. And it's like, no, it's a, it's a faith-based show. It's not a whatever mm -hmm. show. And so... Yeah, that's it's hard to actually stand firm and be kind with it 
Because mm-hmm. like you said, you don't want to turn them away and right. you want them to think that you're just so holier than now that you can't, you know, relate to them. You still have to show love and kindness in that rejection, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense, mm-hmm. which is very hard to do because because you don't want to hurt no one's feelings and you still want to, you know, because negative publicity travels a lot faster than positive publicity. Yeah. So you don't want to come across as, oh, she's just so extra and churchy that you can't even talk to her and she won't even deal. No, it's not like that. So I commend you. So that is a very hard thing to do. Extremely hard Thank thing you. to do. Yeah. I commend you. So we are about to start digging into this young woman's brain. <laughs> <laughs> But disclaimer, we're only going to go so far because knowledge costs. So if you want to get more, go to her website. We're not doing all that. I do. I promote. I don't give stuff out for free. (laughs) (laughs) So here we go. Here's your first question. How does someone decide which social media platform they should do their marketing on? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, um, especially if they're creating their own content, because that takes time, is that it is really, it's two parts, but it's really about your client, right? So if you haven't focused on creating your avatar of your ideal client, um, and we can get into what that even means if you want, but but really you need to be where your clients are and you need to, it's usually like a semi-fictional persona of if you kind of took your best clients and molded them into one person, who is that person who you feel like you connect with the most easily you've had the most success for. It's just kind of like a no brainer. It works the best. They get you, you get them. And you need to see where they are. Are they on TikTok? Because if they're not, then you probably don't need to be on there right now. Are they, you know, on, do they listen to podcasts? Do they go to YouTube? You know, some people, if they're really young, they're not on Facebook. If they're a little older, they may be on, but they may be on Instagram more. So whether you're doing ads or, you know, just creating social media posts, I think don't try to be everywhere. I think a lot of people you want to hear like, oh, Clubhouse is huge. I have to be there. Um, Or, you know, whatever it is, or I have to be on Instagram, but maybe your audience is really LinkedIn and you think, but LinkedIn's boring. And it's kind of like, well, is money boring? Because you need to go where your audience is. That's a good answer. Oh my God. Okay. So that goes back to what you were saying. How do you find your target? audience, your, your, your target clientele, how's what's the best way to figure that out? Yeah. I mean, there are, at this point, there are so many websites that have, you know, they might have 20 questions or 30 questions to write out what, you know, is it a male or female? Who do you typically work with? Who do you feel like you connect with better? Who have you had the most success with? What is their age range? Is there a geographical, um, you know, are you a local business? Do they need to be local? Are you wherever? Uh, what kinds of magazines do they read? What websites do they go to? What what are their favorite TV shows? What's their sense of humor? Do they have kids? What are the issues they're concerned with in life? Because um, I was just watching something the other day and it's kind of like, well, even if what you do has nothing to do with kids, 
if the person that you are mainly marketing to has kids in their life, then that's always on their brain. And so if anything that you do is a factor with that or can tie into work-life balance or, or something that matters to them, then those are really important details. So you have to think about even beyond the scope of just what you offer, what is most important in this person's life? Is it their faith? You know, is it fitness? Is it gardening? Like what is most important to that person? And those should matter. Not that it means, oh, I better go get into gardening, but you can just think about, okay, how can, how can these impact the type of content that I'm producing, the pillars, or even um, the places where I'm advertising or, you know, the collaborations that I do? Should I, if everybody who I work with is a gardener and they care about these things, well, maybe I can collaborate with someone who's a gardener because they're all <laughs> going to be there, you know? So it's, it's right. beyond the scope of just what you're saying, but where you're saying it and really kind of trying to combine those worlds. Okay. Um, when is it considered marketing way too much, especially on social media? Like putting out too much content. I think yeah. like, yeah, I think, um, again, it's really, it's going to be a balance. Oh, one thing I wanted to say back on the last point is you also mm -hmm. need to take into account who you are. So if you hate public speaking to do a podcast, you know, like you, you have to think about if you hate writing, then mm -hmm. you may want to do a podcast. Um, so it's, it's also taking into account your strengths and weaknesses. It can't only be about your strengths and weaknesses, but it should take those into account because if you hate having to do it, that will come across as well. It just does. Okay. Um, and then the next question you wanted me to move on to was which one? Oh, um, oh, what is too it? Much. Too, 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 yeah, too much posting. Again, that's really dependent on your audience. So you can start to see analytics in, um, you know, if you, you should experiment, you know, do you need to do a few times a week? What happens if you do daily? Do you, does your um, engagement go down? Are they more likely to pay attention if you do less? Or do you find that when you do more, because the algorithm boosts you more on those platforms, that then you're getting a lot more engagement? So I think it has to do with analytics. What does your audience respond to? But it also has to do with, you know, how much time do you have available? Because what you don't, you, it's better to be consistent and maybe not do as much than to try to go full throttle and then have to scale way back because that can confuse your audience. Is this person still on here? Are they not on here much? But even if you're on, you know, once or twice a week, depending on the platform, if they know that's what they can expect from you, then mm -hmm. um, that can give them a piece like, oh, okay, well, I know she only comes on here this, you know, this number of times. So that's normal. It's not like, did you fall off a cliff or, you know, what happened to you? <laughs> so I, I think it's just partially being consistent, but if you have the capacity, see what's going to perform the best. Okay. Great answer. Um, what can a person, when can a person expect realistic results from marketing? Yeah. And that one can be tough because that, that depends. Okay. So like if you go to networking events, that can take sometimes a long time. Mm -hmm. um, if you do a podcast like this, I remember I did a podcast. This is now probably three years ago. 
And I told my husband, like, oh my gosh, I hope no one listens to that. It was a, such a horrible interview. <laughs> and uh, because we, you know, it's easy for us to beat ourselves up. And then mm -hmm. I ended up like two weeks later, I had a an email from someone I didn't know who said, hey, I heard you on this podcast and I knew you were exactly what I've been looking for. And they ended up hiring me for what was my biggest package at the time. And that's really wow. unexpected. So A, don't beat yourself up. B, go for it. And, and think outside of just social media in terms of posting. Um, really leverage collaborations and see who you can do things with. And pitching for podcasts is huge. I mean, I offer that as a service by itself. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't focus as much on like, okay, I want to do, you know, 10 posts a week, like two posts a day, five days a week. If you're going to kill yourself on that, especially if you're getting lower engagement, I would think, mm -hmm. okay, well, if my, if my audience is on this platform, but they don't just know who I am and to come to me, then maybe I scale back what I'm creating. So I'm still coming on consistently, but I pour that extra time into looking at, you know, other people who have a complementary type of business where they're still, you know, we're not necessarily competing, but they still have people who would be my ideal audience and maybe invest some of those efforts into saying, Hey, can I come on and do, um, some Instagram stories for you next week? Or can we mm -hmm. go live together or just seeing what you can, offer other people because I think something that's huge is getting in front of other audiences as often as possible. And that I feel like can help you grow a lot more than necessarily just always putting more efforts into posting on your own platforms. You should post on your other, on your platforms, but I feel like you should put that much effort into also getting in front of other audiences because that's going to grow you um, and depending on whether you're doing it or you're hiring somebody to do that for you, that can be pretty inexpensive as opposed to buying ads. And maybe it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to deal with ads. I don't want to learn ads and I don't want to pay for ads. <laughs> well, you know, then then pitch yourself to other opportunities. And that can be a great way to grow. Wow, that's that's really good. Um, how do you tailor content for your clients? When I'm creating it for them? Yes. Yeah. So like I said, I really have my clients go through this extensive interview process. And we, before we even do that, we do strategy. So if they didn't already know who their ideal client was, they're going to know by the <laughs> strategy. Um, because I want to make sure when I put together their brand story, that we're pulling the pieces that that audience is going to care about. Because you may think, these, you know, this is my story. These are the pieces I want to share. But if those aren't the pieces that resonate with your audience and you're like, why is my story falling flat? And it's mm -hmm. probably has nothing to do with your story. It's just there are some other pieces that maybe you should bring to the forefront. So I think strategy at the beginning is key. And mm -hmm. so I want to make sure I know who we're talking to. And then, you know, we go through and if they don't already have their content pillars, what are your content pillars? What are the main mm -hmm. things that you're offering? How can we promote those? through different ways, through entertaining content, through educational content, through inspirational content. Because when people are looking at blogs, they're looking at social media, they don't just want the facts. Um, mm -hmm. They want someone who gets them. They want someone who inspires them to move forward. So you want to make sure that you are promoting who you are and what you do 
through the lens of what's actually interesting, what's entertaining, what's inspiring, right. um, as well as educating. And I think some people get totally fixated on one of those boxes instead of variety. And I think that makes it more interesting to come back to variety. So when I'm focused on somebody else, I want to make sure that we're capturing what's going to make you money with mm-hmm. what are the pain points that your audience has that you solve that you can relate to. And let's find different ways to bring those forward. And it doesn't always have to be your content. Um, you can also find other people who have inspiring story. I mean, look at you with this podcast, you're bringing other people who have interesting stories. You're not having to create. I mean, I know you like probably edit and do a lot of work, (laughs) but um, you can pull from other people, whether you're interviewing somebody else or sharing somebody else's post. That's also a great way to collaborate and tag them and then, you know, send them a message that I think you have a really powerful story. I shared it. I'd love to chat. You know, people are much more interested in talking to you if you're interested in promoting them. And so um, whenever you want to pitch yourself, it's great to think about how you can help others out as well. So those are the things that I take into consideration when I'm building content. Okay. Now, how does someone um, make their content uh, search search engine friendly? Um, That's definitely going to be keywords. And I think... um, you can go to Google, you can go to YouTube, and you can look up keywords. And so you might think, well, this is what I want to talk about. So I will probably just call it this. But you Mm -hmm. should see, well, if you type in those keywords, are there other variations of that that maybe are getting more the top of the list that you might not have thought of? And so I think it's being a little bit flexible with keywords. You know, people talk about doing long tail keywords. Because if your keyword is marketing, well, it's really hard to rank for marketing because there's a gazillion, there's a gazillion exactly. out there. Um, but if you're doing, you know, something that's much more specific that you can narrow it down, well, you probably have a much better chance of ranking for that. You know, it's like sharing your brand story in a Black Friday sale. Maybe that's a little bit more. Um, maybe there's, you know, not as much competition for that as just marketing. So I think it's being a little bit flexible. I think it's looking at seasonal things. So do you have, you know, accounting services, there's tax season, there's different seasons. So do you have anything that can relate to a season? Do you have anything that can relate to a current event that might be trending? Um, there are a lot of different things when it comes to keywords that, you know, you can either make it more about your niche and long tails for that, or you can make it something that's trending where there won't be a lot yet because it's brand new, but you can get yourself in there, get some traction. Same with pitching. If you're pitching PR or if you're pitching for podcasts, that's what they're looking for. Something that's going to be juicy in this moment and interesting right now. Now, do you help people with their pitching? I do. Yeah, I do have. Or Or do you do the pitching for them? Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah, I I okay. have a pitching as a service. Okay. okay, yeah, that's that's a hard one right there. Um, <laughs> it just is. <laughs> so, how much should a person even be willing to spend on marketing, especially as a starter upper? Yeah, I think that really depends on budget. So, if you have zero investing, you're bootstrapping it. Um, you know, I think 
first, you should test the waters with yourself. I think you should tr try and, tr you know, there's so many, uh, there's so many resources out there, free resources that I think it's good to learn what you can, but I also know time is limited, right? And so mm -hmm. I think give it a try, learn a little bit so that when you, you know, even what kind of marketer you want to approach, because even in that realm, marketing is a very broad term. It means a lot of things. Some people just create logos and branding in that sense. Some people are focused on SEO. Their whole agency will be SEO. Some are advertising. Some are, you know, there's very few brand story people like me, but, um, you know, there's definitely social, social media agencies. So I think it's, where do you feel like you can have the biggest impact right now? Um, and that is where you should at least have a starting point. So I think all those pieces cost very different amounts. Um, but I think you need to, instead of just saying, well, I don't know anything, so I'm going to be open to all of it. You need to focus on figuring out, I think you need to know who you are to know who you're speaking to, to know what the heck you should be saying. So I feel like it is very foundational to know who your brand is and what it represents. Um, I feel like you can get by with a crappy website for a long time <laughs> and that that isn't going to be the thing that is mm -hmm. going to necessarily drive business. I think it is learning how to connect with your audience is the biggest because if you have the most beautiful website, if they're not connecting with you, they're going to go off your site. So I think it's knowing how are you connecting with them? Are you offering something that they actually want? And mm -hmm. that's going to be a little bit of trial and error on your part. And then where? So it's like, who are you and where are your people? And that takes a little bit of practice. Um, that's where I feel like it's a foundation. And once you know those, then I feel like a lot of other pieces are things you can build on, like even pitching. I wouldn't mm -hmm. just start pitching someone who didn't really know what they had to talk about, who they are as a brand. So I feel like that's really a starting point for anything in business. Because at the mm -hmm. end of the day, it's person to person, whether that's on social media, on a phone call, or, you know, wherever it is, people want a person that they can trust on the other end of that if they're investing. So I think that's the very first thing that you need to know. So would you say that a person should study themselves within their business for, I'm just gonna put a time frame on it, okay. like six to six months to a year before they even consider looking for a marketing someone to do their marketing for them? I, I would say three to six months. And honestly, as much as people hate it and it makes people squirm, myself included, the more one-to-one <laughs> -one conversations you can have, um, that that is the best way to learn is um, getting on calls with people. So if you're not going to events, like I get it, not everybody's comfortable going to events right now. And there aren't as many events, but there are a lot of online places. So there's LinkedIn groups, there's Facebook groups, there are um, organizations you can join. You can network with people at your church who can put you in touch. I mean, there's there's options that you can have, whether it's a Zoom call or in person. But I think it's finding people and pushing yourself to have one-on-one -on -one conversations where somebody's sitting across from you saying, what do you do? You know, And you have to explain, here's who I am, here's what I offer, and elicit some sort of, are you interested? And be like, 
nine times out of 10, especially starting, they're going to not be interested. They may not tell you, they may just not contact you again. But Mm -hmm. um, sometimes if you can say even, hey, I get that it didn't work. Can you just tell me, you know, even just send me an email, a couple sentences. Was there something, you know, any kind of feedback that you can get? Something I need to work on. Yeah. Something you need to work on. But I think the more you force yourself to tell other people who you are, what you do and how you can help them, that's going to make you improve more than anything. So if you're doing that pretty consistently for three to six months, then I think you'll start to be able to see, okay, this I'm starting to get stronger at, but they keep asking me about this and I don't have that. Or I keep talking to people who say they're all going here and I don't have that. And I think that might be better at showing you your gaps. And if Mm -hmm. it's, you know, a lot of people say, I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to be saying to these people, then someone like me might be great, but some other people, it may be no problem. So I feel like, yeah, you don't, you don't necessarily have years to just test without doing anything, but a few months, at least I would say, just try to throw yourself out there as much as you can. You know, that's funny because it took me forever to say I'm a podcaster or a radio personality to people. So I'll just say I'm a stay-at-home wife from left it at that. Because then it goes into, well, what do you do? What is your podcast about? Well, where can I find it? Well, where is this? Where then I'm like, I don't want to do all this. Because <laughs> it was uncomfortable for me. And I mean, I will fill out, you know, go to the doctor and, you know, you got to put occupation on there. I would just be like, I'm not putting that on here. I don't feel like, well, where is it at? What do you do? I was like, I'm not doing it. And I finally said, like, you know what? That is what I do. That is my calling. I'm not going to be ashamed of what I was called to do. So I'm just going to start saying it. And it was now it's a repetitive. And now I have that, um, what's it called? Like the elevator pitch mm-hmm. prepared in my head. So I just say it out of verbatim, just repeat what I do and where is it at and da, da, da. And then it go, oh, how interesting. I'm like, I know. But it's like, it's a, um, it is a, a learning curve mm-hmm. that you want that. And it helps you get comfortable with you yeah and like you said i i used to say this all the time when i was a property manager so most of the time these people don't rent these apartments because of the apartment they rent the apartments because of me yeah i'm the one that sold it i mean because this could be a beautiful place but if my service is crappy they'll go somewhere else mm-hmm. and, and go somewhere else just as nice or worse because they don't want to deal with me you are the first person that they have to deal with your brand is you when should a business or brand learn when to revamp themselves? I think that is when you feel like every brand grows and changes. And when you look at, I mean, it could be, are you offering different types of services? Did you start out kind of in one area and you're branching somewhere else and what you, the way that you represented yourself has a bit of a disconnect, right? Or does it simply feel dated to you? Do you feel like that's not me anymore? That was me a few years ago. But if somebody thinks they're getting that, like I'm different and it could just be, you know, I chopped my hair super short and they think they're getting the, you know, it could be (laughs) whatever you think is going to be important to your audience. But I think when you feel like you are at a point where you aren't who you were when you created your original brand, when it comes to story, you know, what I do with brand stories, 
I feel like that's always changing. I feel like people think I have a brand story. No, you don't. Your life isn't, you know, you have hundreds, thousands of stories, right? You have things you experience mm-hmm. all the time. And I think it's figuring out what connects well to this person or this moment or this service that maybe you offer one service and you have a story that you feel like completely relates to that. And then you offer something different. Well, maybe you need to be sharing a different story for that, that can connect better with that specific thing. So, and when it comes to social media, I mean, there's always what's going on in your life now, as well as hitting on some of those foundational points. So I think some of it is variety, but I think if you feel like consistently you or what you offer is different or that feels dated, those are the two reasons why you would update or change something. So what's next for you? Well, um, (laughs) there's how many things. Okay, what is it next for you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm getting back. I had a YouTube channel and I'm getting back into that. And so that has been uh, a lot of fun. I did have a podcast as well. So we'll see if I get back into that as well. But I really love, I love brand stories. So I try to make it accessible whether it's the DIY course, you know, if somebody's like, Hey, I'm just at a point where I just want to learn it for myself. Great. You know, do the course. If somebody wants coaching to like, have you have me do it with them, then there's that. If they want me to just do it for them, you know, it's kind of like wherever people are at and whatever they're looking for, I try to make it accessible at different places. So how I'm going to continue doing that in the future, we'll see. But I think that um, definitely YouTube and hopefully my podcast will be pieces of that. Okay. Now, do you have any old episodes that are still up? Is your po- your podcast? I do. I do. I think I have okay. 27 up there. Yeah. Oh, okay. What, where are they at? What platforms? Um, pretty much everywhere. It's the business okay. that Story Built is the name of the podcast. Okay. So and- it is all about brand story. Awesome. And how can people find you? I know I have your website up, but, and you said you had a YouTube channel, but are you on any social media pages? Yep. Just at Christy Bilbrey on, you know, Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. And yeah, those are probably the main ones. <laughs> Not my space. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Not oh on TikTok. <laughs> well, I'm I'm on TikTok, but it was pure out of boredom. <laughs> Just pure boredom. But I'll probably watch the videos more than I actually make videos. So and it wastes way too much time out of my life. So I need to I need to stop. <laughs> you have some really funny videos. Okay, here is your last question. If you could have any theme song be your theme song when you walked into a room. What would it be and why? And not necessarily a theme song, just any song. I would say I like, this is like definitely gets people up and moving is um, Katy Perry's Firework. I think that ties into what I do because it's actually the name of my business is Stella Nova Strategies, which is New Star Strategies. And so helping people really see the value that's in, the light that's in, and sharing that. And that's what I try to do. I love that. Now the song's stuck in my head. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> 
<laughs> you were such a delight. I'm so glad we got to do this. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Christy, for being on the show. And thank you for sharing just a tidbit of your knowledge of how we can market our brands to do better and to be better. Not only just for ourselves, but for God's glory. And hey, did you know Worldly Church Girl has gone live? That's right, Worldly Church Girl has gone live. As a matter of fact, this very episode was recorded live. You can see it on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitch. But if you would like to learn more about yours truly, or if you would like to be on my show, go to www.worldlychurchgirl.com. Go to my contact page if you want to be on the show. Shoot me an email and let's see what we can do with that thing. And have you hit that subscription button? What are you waiting for? There are so many episodes that are coming up. You don't want to miss it. And as always, thanks for joining your one and only Worldly Church Girl.